1: You know, the last few weeks we've been noticing that our tendency is to sweep things under the carpet. Here is something that I, I think is pretty significant about all of us. You know that we're all alike in one way. say, so what do you mean? We don't look alike. Isn't that great? We don't look alike. That's wonderful, isn't it? Some of you are saying, boy, I'm glad I don't look like you, George. Well, I'm glad I don't look like you either. But we are alike. And here's how we're alike. We don't like to deal with the stuff in our lives. We don't like to deal with the stuff in our lives, and we specifically and especially don't like to deal with the sin in our lives. The stuff that we know that we're doing that's not right. We don't like to deal with it. So our tendency is, sort of like that lady on the screen there, is to lift up the carpet and try to sweep it away. We try to conceal it. We try to hide it in our lives. And we've been looking at how... First of all, that's an age-old tendency, isn't it? That's a tendency that we got from our great forefathers. You know, we're all family here. We all share the same grandmother and great-grandfather, Adam and Eve. And that was their tendency, and they passed that tendency on to you and I. We try to conceal our sin, and and it affects us. It affects us doing the will of God. It affects the church. Now, we're going to go one step further today, and we're going to go to Psalm 32. It's, It's a Psalm... You may not realize that it's connected with the sin with Bathsheba. Do you remember that sin? A lot of you say, well, isn't that what Psalm 51 was about? Yes. Psalm 51 is about that sin. But so is Psalm 32. Psalm 32 is a reflection that David has concerning the sin he carried and dealing with that sin. And he's going to, in fact, if you look at your Bibles... You'll notice Psalm 32, right under it, it says a psalm of David. Some of your trans- translations will say a miscal. Uh, the translation of that is a contemplation. These are instructions. This is part of the Word of God. These are instructions because this was a song to be sang. Do you realize this is, we're reading a song here? This was a song, and so David is saying it as an instruction to the people who are singing this song, this is something you need to think about. This is something you need to contemplate. I'm getting ready to tell you something serious, something that you need to apply to your lives, because I want you to understand that sin affects you, especially when no one else knows but you. Isn't that true? We have sins that nobody else knows but us, right? Or if you don't, you're lying to yourself, and you're trying to cover it. Because the reality is is that there are things in our lives that we cover that maybe even our spouse doesn't know. But we carry them. We conceal them. We sweep them under the carpet. We try to live our lives like we ignore them. No one else but you. No one else but you. Isn't that right? We all have this same tendency. And what we're going to see is, is that, even though no one else but you, no one else knows but you, here's the reality: it's affecting you. It's affecting you. It's wrecking havoc in your life. In fact, remember, Brad, we sang that song, "Come You Sinners," Weak and wounded, sick. All of those things comes out of what? Sin. In fact, let's look at what David says. Look with me. Psalm 32. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, in whose spirit there is no deceit. Sounds okay so far. Yeah, but listen. When I kept silent, my bones old. Through my groaning... All the day long, for day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality turned into the drought of summer, Selah. I acknowledged my sin to you and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the iniquity of my sin, Selah. For this cause, everyone who is godly shall pray to you. And in a time when you may be found, surely in a flood of great waters, they shall not come near him. You are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with songs of deliverance, Selah. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. Do not be like the horse or like the mule, which have no understanding, which must be harnessed with the bit and bridle. Else they will not come near you. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he who trusts in the Lord, mercy on him. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous. Shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Basically, we can take this passage and we can divide it into three sections. First of all, we see the blessing which is verses 1 to 2. We see the turmoil which is verses 3 to 5 and then verses 6 to 11, we see the encouragement. Listen, my friends, we're going to learn a big lesson today, David, about the fact that when you hide sin in your heart and nobody else knows, it will wreck havoc on you. It will mess you up. Trust me. Just ask anyone and they'll tell you. So notice, first of all, the blessing. He starts off positively. Isn't that great? He starts off positively. Here's what he says. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity. Here's what he's saying. Blessed is the one whose sin is forgiven. He's going to start off as he talks about this whole issue of trying to sweep sin under the carpet and deal with it. And he's trying to grasp, help us to grasp the reality of the tragedy of doing so, he's going to start off on a positive note, giving you the good news first, and that is, my friends, your sin can be forgiven. You can be forgiven of whatever it is that you've done or are doing. And blessed are you when your sin is forgiven. Now that word blessed can be translated happy. because And isn't that wonderful that he would say that? Because here's the, here's the reality of it. Listen to me. When you are dealing, when you're in stuff, and you're doing the stuff, and I'm talking about the sin, and you're in the midst of it, there's chaos in your life. You're not at peace with yourself. You're not happy. You're afraid. Isn't that true? One of the biggest fears we have is what? Being found out. Being found out. You say, what do you mean being found out? Well, listen, I can remember as a boy when I was growing up, when I would do stuff and do stuff with my buddy trouble. One of the biggest fears I had was his daddy finding out. Well I was scared that's because you were scared of being disciplined. Well yeah there's a little bit of that but I'll be honest with you I was also scared of shaming them. Do you know what I mean? Because with sin comes shame. And it's almost a concept that's lost in our culture today about the whole aspect of shame. But the reality is it's still there and you know when you when you do your thing, and you try to sweep it under the carpet. Listen to me. Sin will bring about the fear. Sin will bring about the shame. Here's another one. Sin will bring about the guilt. Isn't that isn't that real? Guilt? Listen to me. In fact, you've got an enemy that will keep reminding you, don't you remember what you did ten years ago? Don't you remember what you did last week? Don't you remember? Don't you remember? Don't you remember? You're trying to forget. He keeps reminding you. Now here's what David is saying. Here's the reality. You've got to grasp about the issue of forgiveness. Happy is the one whose sins are forgiven. Why? Because the fear, the guilt, the shame, the turmoil are dealt with. Happy. In fact, here's listen, he, he uses three different statements here. Look with me. Verses 1 and 2. First of all, the transgression is forgiven, so that's that is your your offense against God. A transgression is a is is a Something that was done against God's law, against God's way. Here's what it says. Whose sin is covered. Here, here you are, you're trying to cover it yourself. Listen to me, remember, that's why you sweep it under the carpet. You're trying to cover it yourself, and you're not doing a good job. Have you noticed, ladies, when you, when you sweep, you know, you got company coming over and you got a big pile of dust and you said, well, what am I gonna do with it? You put it under the carpet, and then there's a big lump there. Like, they're not gonna notice that lump. It would have been better if just let the dust lay around rather than pile it all in one little pile, right? We don't do a good job covering stuff, do we? We don't. And and here's the problem. Listen to me. But there's one who can. There's one who can cover our sin. There's one who can do it through the blood of Christ. And so notice what he says there. Whose sin is covered. Blessed are you when you go and are forgiven and your sin is covered by Jesus. And here's what he says to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity. What does that mean? The word is, to impute means to give. That is, that, that God says, I make you as you're bad. What does that mean, George? Well, some of you already live that way. You think God looks at you like you're some kind of schmuck. You're some kind of loser. Because of what you've done. Here, forgiveness says that God doesn't impute to you iniquity. He imputes to you... What does the Bible say? Righteousness. He looks at you as if you were clean. As if you're just like Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? That brings happiness. This is how he starts off his song. With a happiness thing. Now here's the other thing he tells us. And it's the last part of verse 2. And in whose spirit there is no deceit. In the world is he talking about there? Is he talking about me being a liar? Here's what he's saying. Blessed is the one who does not cover his sin. See, because verse 2 is this transition. There is no deceit in him is the transition point to when we get to the turmoil. You understand what I'm saying? Verse 2 is the transition to verse 3. The last part of verse 2 is, As Blessed is he who does not, what? What does he say there? Whose spirit, in whose spirit there is no deceit. Well, now What does deceit, deceit have to do with the turmoil? Here's what he did. When you cover your sin, the chances are, You're being deceitful about it. In fact, let me just remind you of something. When we lie, why do we lie? Anybody? Why do we lie? Because we like lying? I had a friend who once said that lying is an abomination unto God, but a great help in a time of need. That's why we lie, isn't it? Lying is to help us what? Cover. And when you're trying to hide your sin so that no one else knows but you, you are more and likely practicing what? Deceit. So here's what David is saying. Blessed is the one who is forgiven, but he goes one step further and says, blessed is the one who is not going to try and cover his sin himself. He's going to go to God and find forgiveness. They say, wow, that's a pretty great way. Well, it's wonderful. Let's stop. Let's go home. No, no, no. We can't go home yet. Because there is verse 3, 4, and 5. Because now David's going to tell you why it's so important that you don't cover your sin. Look with me. We'll read what he says here again. And then I want you to notice something here. He 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 has two things that happen. If you look at your Bibles, verse 4, at the end of verse 4, there's an interesting word called Selah. And at the end of verse 5, there's another interesting word, the same interesting word. Again, it's Silah. It is a poetry it's a poetry word that is used here, Hebrew poetry word. What it means is for you to pause, pause for a moment, and think about what you just said. Sila means to pause and to think about what you just said, or just what you've read, because this was a song or what you sang. Here's what he's saying here. Two things. Number one, Here's what he's saying, verse 3 and 4. When I kept silent, my bones grew old. Through my groaning all the day long, for day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. Selah. Pause and think about what he's saying. Here's what he's saying. If we think about it. Sin affects you physically and spiritually. Listen, you may be really good at covering what it is that you're doing. You, do you understand what I'm saying? You may be very good at it. You And we can be good at it. I mean, the reality is, is half the stuff we do, nobody ever finds out about. And you can be good at it. And you can cover it, but the reality is you can't cover it because sin won't be contained. Do you understand what I'm saying? When we cover it, we try to contain our sin. It won't be contained. It's not going to allow for that to happen. It wants to spill over. Do you understand what I'm saying? It wants to just blow up in your life. And so what it's going to do is it wrecks havoc inside of you. So it affects you physically. This is what David is saying. Look at here how he describes it. He says, my bones grew old. I mean, his his body was aching because of what he's carrying. And what he says, through my groaning all the day long. I mean, he's in agony over it. He's carrying it. He's covering it. Now listen, let me explain something to you. This is why we believe this psalm is connected to David's sin to Bathsheba. Because you remember, Bathsheba came and said, I'm pregnant. He sends for Uriah. Uriah comes. They try to get something. You know, he tries to hook him up with his wife. It doesn't happen. So he sends word to the commanders of the armies. Wipe him out. Put him on the front of the line, Let him be killed. As soon as Uriah's dead, he takes Bathsheba as his bride. So it looks... Like everything's okay. And it's just one of those rare instances where the baby comes in six months. What was happening is David was trying to cover it. So by the time the baby is born is when he gets confronted by Nathan. So he's carrying this sin. Let me just describe the sin to you. I want you to think about who your best friend is. Alright? I want you to think about that you stole your best friend's spouse not only did you steal your best friend's spouse, you then work it out so that your best friend is knocked off, murdered. Then when and, and this we're not just talking any old best friend, because you know we have friends and we have friends. We're talking about somebody that literally is one of your mighty men, one of the men who would do anything for you, who loves you, and honors you, who was there for you thick and thin. And so you get him knocked off, and when he's knocked off you allow for a period of mourning and then you take their spouse to be yours. And then you don't tell anybody. You cover it up and you internalize it. Now do you understand what David said? My bones ache and I agonize. See, sin affects you Physically and spiritually, my friends, there is a turmoil that goes in your life. In fact, this is the point that James is making in James chapter 5. James chapter 5, we'll we'll quote it all the time, you know, about calling for the elders to heal the sick. Listen to what James chapter 5, listen to me, verse 14 and 60. Is any, any among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. Now listen to this. And we usually stop right there. But James goes one step further. Listen to what he says. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another. Pray for one another. That, what? You may be healed. What's James saying here? There is a sickness that's caused by sin. And the is my friends, is confession. See, here you are. You're doing something, and you're covering it. You're covering it. You're covering it. But I'm going to be honest with you. Sin will not be contained. It's sort of like taking... You ever ever seen these kids? They take a Pepsi. They they get a 20 ounce Pepsi and they unscrew the Pepsi, and then they get, Daddy, can I have a Mentos? You know, it's one of those uh, white little candies that's the peppermint. It helps you with your breath and everything. And then they drop it into the The Pepsi, and you see what happens then? Whoosh! Just explodes right out of the bottle. But that's the way sin is. Sin will not be contained. And if it's not going to affect others outwardly, it'll affect you inwardly. Listen to what I said. You may want to write that one down. If it's not going to affect others outwardly, it will affect you inwardly. And isn't that the reason why we cover it? Because we don't want to affect others. Isn't that right? Well, if if they knew... then then they'll be upset with me. If they knew, then I'll hurt them. Listen, here's what I'm saying. Sin will hurt somebody. Sin will hurt somebody. And if it's going to affect others outwardly, it's going to affect you inwardly. Reality. And so David says, sin affects you both spiritually. Physically and spiritually. So here's the thing. Other point that David makes. Look with me at verse five. And here he wants you to think about this one because he ends verse five with another sea law. I acknowledge my sin to you and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Pause and think about that. Sea Here's what he says. Sin must be acknowledged before God. Sin's got to be acknowledged. Here's our thing, it's like, oh yeah, I stumbled, I fell, and, and well, but you know, I'm going on. And so, I'm going to go on. I'm going to go on with life. I know I messed up back here, but I'm going to go on with life. But here's the thing, it doesn't stay back there. Sooner or later, you've got to acknowledge it because it follows you. It follows you. It will not leave you alone. It follows you. And so you've got to acknowledge it before God. Now, here's the thing. Now, here's the lie that we operate under. But I want to tell you the truth first. The truth is, is God wants us to acknowledge it. He wants you to come to Him. He forgives. Isn't that what we just started out with? Blessed is the one whose sin is what? Forgiven? But here's the lie we operate under. Because I've operated under it. Oh, Lord. It'll change my relationship with You. God, You... You won't answer my prayers. First of all, that one's a lie because he said, if you regard iniquity in your heart, I won't hear your prayers. Confessing him is not going to affect your prayer life. It'll help it. Hear what I said? Confessing will not hurt your prayer life. It'll help it. And so we operate under this lie. And the reality is, is we've got to acknowledge it. So now we come to the third section, which is the encouragement. Encouragement. Look with me, verse 6 through 7. Here's what he's telling us, he's encouraging us to do. For this cause, everyone who is godly shall pray to you. In a time when you may be found, surely in a flood of great waters, they shall not come near him. You are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall del- surround me with songs of deliverance. Here's what he's saying. Again, law. pause and think about this. Here's what he's saying. Seek the mercy of God. Here's what he says. Seek... The mercy of God. Seek the mercy of God. Because here's what he's saying. Anyone who prays to you will be found. Even in the midst of all kinds of problems, great floods of water, you'll be found. Here's what he says. You're my hiding place, God. See, here's the encouragement. Yeah, you're covering it, so quit covering it because He loves you. And if there's anyone who you can run to, even in spite of what you've done, it's God. God. Isn't that wonderful? You can run to Him. You can hide in Him. You can find your refuge in Him. Isn't that interesting? The Bible describes God in those kinds of terms. A hiding place. God is our hiding place. He's our refuge. He's, another, the Psalmist, another psalm says He's our strong tower that we can run into our fortress. Seek the mercy of God. Seek His mercy. Quit trying to cover it. Seek the mercy of God. He wants you to think about that. And then look at verse 8 and 9. Here's the next point. Here's what he says. I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will guide you with my eye. Do not be like the horse or like the mule, which have no understanding, which must be harnessed with a bit and bridle, or else they will not come near you. Here's what he's saying. Don't wait for God to deal with you. Don't wait for God to deal with you. God wants to be merciful to you. God wants to show mercy to you. In fact, my friends, this sermon is God showing you mercy. Did you hear what I said? The fact that I'm sharing this with you is part of God's mercy to you to get your attention, to quit trying to cover it, to quit trying to live with the turmoil of what's going on in your life because of stuff you're doing. He's saying to you, listen to me, deal with it before I have to deal with you. Because a loving Heavenly Father will deal with you. And my friends, his woodshed is something different. Don't let him take you to the woodshed. Isn't it wonderful that there's no sea law after verse nine? <laughs> but we do need to think about it, don't we? And then listen to this here's Here's the other one: verse ten through eleven. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he who trusts in the Lord, mercy shall surround him. be glad in the Lord, and rejoice, you righteous. And shout for joy, you upright in heart. Here's what he says Find your sufficiency in Christ. You know, in fact, that last point is so real, you've got to grasp it. Because here's what happens when it's nobody else but you, when no one else knows but you, you're doing everything you can to cover it. It takes energy, it takes a lot of brain power, it takes a lot of lies. In fact, it takes a lot of brain power to remember the lies so they all kind of work together instead of against each other. You know what I mean? And you will expend so much energy trying to cover it up, it will waste you away. Isn't that what David was talking about? My bones ached. You've got to find your sufficiency in Christ instead of yourself. You've got to find your sufficiency in Christ in His forgiveness. He will forgive you. He will forgive you. He will forgive you. Instead of yourself, your joy. You ever notice that when you're trying to cover it, there's no joy. Have you noticed that? Joy is gone. But when I find my sufficiency in Him, I can sing songs. Some of you are here today, and you say I have no joy in my life anymore. Can I tell you why you have no joy in your life anymore? Because He's not your sufficiency. Two things I want you to think about as we wrap this up. Number one is sin tormenting your soul. Add the word Selah after that. Don't let that one pass you by. Is sin tormenting you? It's interesting. Hebrews eleven describes Lot. Remember Lot? He had to be taken out of, out of Sodom before it was destroyed. He didn't willingly go, but Hebrews eleven calls him a righteous man, but it also goes on and says but that he was vexed in his soul because of what he saw. He was tormented. He was tormented. Is sin tormenting your soul? You know what it is? Let me just stop for a moment. Because somebody will say, well, I don't have a porno problem. That's not what I'm talking about. You may have an attitude problem. You may have an anger problem. You may have a bitterness problem. You may have a forgiveness problem. You may have a gossip problem. You may have, listen to me, a whole lot of other kind of problems And they will torment your soul just as much as a porno problem will. Is sin tormenting your soul? You've got to acknowledge it. You've got to acknowledge it. It brings it here. Acknowledge your sin and turn back to God. Next point there. Final point. Acknowledge your sin and turn back to God. Here's what David is saying. Recognize what it's doing to you. Recognize that it's destroying you. Recognize the havoc it is wrecking in your life even though no one else knows but you, recognize it. And here's what you got to do. You've got to acknowledge it. And when I say acknowledge it, it's not like God's surprised by it. It's not like He's going to be, huh, I can't believe you did that one. I'm done with you. You know God. He already knows you did it. In can I remind you, if you know Jesus Christ, He was there with you when you did it. Isn't it interesting? We talk about the turmoil here. It just reminds me He's with you David in another psalm says, Lord, where can I go where you're not there? If I go down to hell, you're there. If I go to heaven, you're there. God, you're everywhere. I can't run away from you. So listen, he's not going to be surprised when you go and talk to him. He already knows. And so confession is simply going to him and saying, God, I did what you saw me do. Acknowledge it. But you've got to take it one step further. You've got to stop. Don't just go and confess. You've got to stop. That's what he's calling us to. And let's go back to what he said in the beginning. Look with me at verse 1. Blessed is he whose what? Transgression is forgiven.
0: Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street,